Take a breather. Take a breather. Alright. I can take do two. this. His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. His barber on his sweater already. Let's be serious. Let's be, let's be serious. Come on. Come on, man. We haven't done a podcast in like I don't know, a month now. I don't know. I've it's lost track of time. Week. Ever since the holidays, I've lost track of time. I said time. it's been a week. Oh, it's been a week. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. All right, we can be a bit professional. Yeah. Um so yeah, welcome to the Blue Borders podcast. Um, we haven't done a podcast like we're in about a week now. That's because it's been festive season, so you know, not a lot of time to to get podcasting. But there's a lot to talk about, you know, because we've had a game every three or four days. Um, we did a post match on Wolves, and we had Everton before that. Didn't win either of these game of those games. Actually, we lost both of those games, and then we kept bounced back with a, with a three 0 win against West Ham. Chelsea are back, are back on form, letting the goals go. We're keep, keeping a clean sheet as we do, and then we play Arsenal, who are all sorts of in trouble. Um, couldn't buy a win before we played them, and then we play them and we lose three one. Um, which is very annoying, you know, because we, you think you've turned a corner after two bad results. And then to be given the sort of luck that we were dealt in that game, um, not being able to really um, put away our chances and, and allowing Arsenal to score a couple of... Yeah, Arsenal put their chances away. We, did, we didn't put ours away. I think we created quite a lot. Um, but they were just... I think they had a bit of luck. They were more clinical as well. So that resulted in going our way. And then obviously two days ago, we had we had Aston Villa, who we drew against. Again, created so many chances. Just, you know, we had the ball in front of the goal. We just couldn't put the ball in the net more times than once. And I think that, you know, Giroud, um, I have to mention Giroud has been, uh, has been excellent in, in terms of uh, being clinical and, you know, scoring when it matters. Um, so, But we'll get onto that in a sec. But, you know, underlying, I think, after all these games, obviously we didn't do a, we didn't do a post match for any of them, of them. But it, there's so much frustration when it comes to um, our results. But I think more so now because the performances have matched the results as well. You know, like the the we've not been as good um, in open play in in passing or, or creating chances. And I, I know a lot of that is down to us missing players. Um, what else do you kind of attribute that to? Like, what, what do you think we're, we're kind of missing in this moment? Uh, I think it's, it's you know, when the team is on form, they, all of the players, they look at, they look on point, you know, they're, they are ready to, to fight uh, to win the match. And it just seems like the, the players aren't, they don't look as sure that they will win it. I don't know if that's just me who feels that, but just the way that they play, it's, it's you need to have an urgency when you want to win. I yeah. just I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that sort of drive to, you know, do it. I mean they'll put in the they'll put in the work for sure, but there's just a different look look on the players' faces, you know, when when they're really on top of it. We were on a good good uh good track, you know, good uh track with clean sheets, 
And then I think what where did it go wrong? Was it against Wolves? Was that where we let in the first? Uh, Everton, well, we, we we lost against Everton, and also to mention our XG was also lesser than theirs. So you know they they deservedly got their win, and then yeah. there from there on out we outperformed every single team, but we still haven't you know but except West Ham we haven't gotten yeah. a result despite um, outperforming the XG. Mm-hmm. So it may have been the Everton game then because we're playing a team that is very good you know tactically and 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 the players are really good they have good individuals as well so it may have just brought us back down to earth a bit really and yeah. shown us that you know we aren't a perfect team and there are there is stuff that we need to work on and maybe that's just i don't know if that scared the players a little bit maybe the uh the ones who aren't as experienced sorry the the ones who are new to the team so yeah, yeah. It, it just seems like we we were a bit not shaken up but we weren't fully into it after that yeah. Everton match. I think also when, when tensions are high after a game and obviously we've our expectations have obviously risen, you know, over the years it's sort of fluctuated when we haven't got the right uh, manager in or if we haven't got the right team. Uh, our expectations are a bit lower, but I feel because we've invested so much money, the expectations have obviously gone higher. And I think there's nothing wrong with fans expecting better results. Um, and better performances. Um, but I think, you know, when push comes to shove, I think any football fan, if their team loses, they'll find faults in the team immediately. They'll find flaws in, in the manager and the players or whatever. And it's very easy to criticise that. But I've been particularly frustrated with the performances um, in each individual game. Would you say, would you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. So as far as the goals and the and the you know clean sheets and all that sort of stuff goes we haven't obviously conceded a lot of goals and you know bar arsenal um but we haven't been creating enough and we haven't been sort of putting our chances away which has been part of the problem yeah it, i think a lot of fans are frustrated as well just with the um with the way that we are creating chances when we do, which is mainly crossing into the box from uh, either side, either flank, and it's it's there's there's early on the, it's early on the sides which we are attacking and not through the middle, so it's just the lack of creativity, uh, which is really, uh, I guess it's it's putting a, a sore feeling towards our attack right now. Yeah, it's been a bit unfortunate. I mean, I think. Also, you know, we've been without very key players. I think you have to give that to Lampard as well, is that we've not had Hudson-Odoi available all the time. We haven't had Pulisic available all the time. Ziyech is obviously struggling with injury. Um, Havertz caught COVID. Um, Werner's been out of form. So he's not really been able to to rely on his major, you know, five players in, in attack that, that, you know, he's probably building the team around. Um but you know, I, I was very frustrated with, with the with the performances um, personally because I think the sort of passing and the build up and the possession, I don't think there was enough emphasis on on it being more free flowing and less um, physically, um, you know, uh, I don't know, putting a lot of pressure on ourselves physically in terms of the amount of sprints that we do when we lose the ball, we're not able to keep the ball, and then when we lose the ball, we're you know. Um, kind of we're out of shape and we're not able to really recover and then it all sort of just goes wrong for us and you know especially in the last six games it's not been easy to watch 
Um, you know, we've not had the same rhythm that we've been used to for the last, say, for October and November. Um, but I think also, you know, post-match, there is a lot of anger because you don't get the result that you want. But, um, you know, once you kind of have a bit of time to reflect on it, you see that there is there is a, quite a bit to be quite um, pleased about. Um, you know, it, and it's difficult to, to say that when you haven't got the result or you're, you're you know, you're, you're performing on an average level. But, you know, against Aston Villa itself, we had 16 shots. I think eight of them were on target, and you know, realistically, when you come, when it comes to XG and those kind of things, like we are outperforming every single opponent. Um, it's a matter of really putting the ball in the net, really, isn't it? Yeah, that's just the biggest. Uh, it's, it's the thing which you need to be patient about, but the thing that you want to be least patient about as well, because it's you're so close to getting that success, but it's frustrating when you don't get it. And I think that's what what's causing all of this um, all of this anger towards the way that we're playing as such. <clears throat> yeah, um, you know, I think as the as the games have gone on, it's becoming it's becoming more and more apparent. Obviously, where we are fighting for not just top four. You know, a lot of people said we were fighting for the title, but we're fighting for top ten. You know, I think we're fighting for top six, and you know, we we will get there. I think we'll we'll make top four. Um, provided that you know we go you know reasonably injury free but generally speaking like I mean there's a lot of talk about you know Chelsea fans not wanting Lampard at Chelsea anymore and I was sort of on that on that wave and and you know I was leaning towards that a bit because I think when as an owner of a football club when Roman Abramovich puts in 200 million pounds right and it can be you know through the club as well but when he sees 200 million pounds being spent he wants a return on his investment it's not, you know, there's no excuse for not putting up results against teams like Aston Villa or an out-of-form Arsenal or Wolves or Everton, for that matter. As well as they're performing, I think we have a better squad than than any of them. Um, but I think, you know, to want Lampard out this early, I think it's a bit unreasonable, pers- unreasonable personally. And I know I've told you, like... Um, you know, I, I think he should be sacked. I think we need a, a manager with a bit more experience that knows how to handle the squad. But when you reflect and when you look back on it, without you know the the the, the um, when the tensions are high, you don't really think straight. I think it's very clear that he's doing his job. I think he's doing what he's being paid to do, what he was brought in to do. I don't think he's doing a bad job, in in all fairness to him, um, because. Yeah. Ultimately, you need an outlet for your frustration. You need to to you need to find somewhere a reason for why you're feeling the way you're feeling. So, I understand, you know, the frustration of a fan. I was frustrated, and I know a lot of people lean towards um, maybe wanting Lampard to be sacked because, obviously, when you have an owner who's over the years invested so much money, time, effort into the football club, um, you want to return on your investment and. We've seen that whether it's Mauricio Sarri or Antonio Conte, even Jose Mourinho, Jose Mourinho, it's a case of, okay, we know you're a talented manager, but you're just not necessarily right in this moment. And you're and you're putting our chances of of may, maybe making top four or not reaching your objective, you're putting that in danger. And I think a lot of fans feel as though Frank has hit that stage at this point where they're not seeing performances. 
And if if the team were performing well and not getting results, then fair play. You know, they, they, they're within their rights to, to demand um, Frank sacking. But, you know, and I, I think when you look at each game individually, and I'll speak from my own sort of perception, I, you know, it's difficult to to sort of justify a lot of what has happened recently, our results and our performances particularly. Um, and, you know, post a bad result, you just want to say Frank doesn't have it. He's inexperienced. He's not great tactically. Um, a lot of which I think there is some sort of truth to it. But I think when you look back and when you, I think this is why statistics can help build a better perception of, of reality. Um, against Villa, we had 16 shots, I think, eight or nine of them were on target. It's a case of having to put the ball in the back of the net. Now, how far do we go to put the blame on Lampard in that situation? Because I know, like I said, it's easy to blame him for a poor result. But was it a poor performance? Now, over the last few games, maybe for 60, 70 minutes of a game, we haven't really played well. We've had like 30 or 40 minutes where, okay, the football was great, but we've not really done much with it. And vice versa, sometimes the football isn't great. And then we we get a goal and, and you know, everything is forgiven. Um, so on that, in that sense, for me, I don't think sacking Frank right now is the right thing to do. I don't think that's going to change anything because I feel we're still sort of hitting certain numbers that we should be achieving without the consistency of available players that he intends to build around. So your ZX, your Havertzes, your, you know, Werner, Pulisic, Hudson-Odoi, players that he's building around, they haven't been available at the same time. They've been out of form. Obviously, Havertz got COVID. So where are we in terms of um, what we do with Frank? Like, what is your opinion on what, what we should do with Frank at this point in the season? I think I think that he deserves, I think he deserves a... Uh you know, more time with, with the team. I don't see what he's done that's been wrong. I said, okay, I th- I think that he his, he has consistently made some poor decisions with, for example, uh, putting Werner out on the left. But then it was also, uh, you could also argue that he didn't have any other wing, any wingers to begin with when they were... Okay, when just, just, was, just on, that, just on yeah. that point, just on that point. Yeah. When, when a player is not available or you have to adapt to have your best 11 out mm-hmm. why has frank not changed the system to accommodate that and this could be quite a, a skewed argument because like i said we still have been creating chances we've dominated possession in every game our xg we've outperformed um every single team on xg so is it a case of he's made a wrong decision or do you think the result hasn't come because he's made the wrong decision because he's made the wrong decision in terms of, like you said, playing Vern on the left instead of say Hudson Odoi, who was available. Yeah. So I think that the um, it would have made it much easier if he didn't <laughs> if he didn't make that wrong decision. But I think that we we should have still had enough quality to have been able to do better, regardless of that decision. I think that that it was one which didn't help, but it's not one which was the only reason, the only factor in, you know, poor performances. Yeah. I think that more, I think that there needs to be more of a goal threat as well from the midfield. You know, Kovacic, Mount, they have to start, you know, seem 
they have to be a bit more threatening in the box and outside the box. Mount has, mm-hmm. you know, pulled up, you know, a few good shots off target or hit the crossbar, and it's close, but it's not there, and it needs to be there if you want if you want results. Yeah. I mean, crucially, like I said, we've dominated on all fronts on on paper. Um, yeah. But I mean, how can you blame Lampard? How can you blame the coaches for players like Timo Werner, who was bought to to score goals, not scoring goals, or exactly. Pulisic, who, who who has you know played a fair amount of games now, to not put to to not score the goals, or you know Mason, like you said, or Kovacic, and you know. I feel there's there's a lot of it's very easy at this point to to shift the blame onto the guy managing the guys that are meant to win a game, because it's easier to to sack a manager like anyone says easier to sack a manager than it is to, than it is a team. Now, I I think you'd agree with me. This is probably our best squad we've had for about ten years. When you look at the fourteen fifteen squad, I think we have better depth now than we did then. But we had obviously a really good. Um, starting eleven back then, we had Jose Mourinho who was top of his game and stuff. So um, it's hard because we have the right players finally, and they're just not going that extra bit now. There's so much argument for and against, and you know I like to kind of see that the the you know one side of it where okay there was no preseason. The players weren't given a chance to adapt. They weren't given a chance to bond and um, understand each other and, and each other's game. Um, <clears throat> you know, they, they they were essentially they were training for the start of a season. They weren't training for preseason, which you know it, it can take a real toll on on, on a player's body. Obviously, Ziyech didn't play from from March onwards or something like it was. And you know, to go from there to straight away training to to play for a match. It, it is difficult and it is confusing for a player. Um, and I think the same with, you know, Werner and, and, and um, Havertz as well. So I guess, yeah, I mean, what I want to kind of talk about is, is this the sort of pre-season time that has now passed and we have to now focus on getting results and, and getting players fit and consistently showing up every week or, or, is it unrealistic to ex- to expect our players to be at the best of their condition yet? I always think that it's, it's uh, you know, the first, uh, first few weeks is when, you know, the, if they're not already fit, then they need to need to really rush to get, to get them all in fitness. And, you know, with, for example, Havertz having COVID or Hudson-Odoi with his injuries or Pulisic with his uh, consistent injuries, uh, Ziyech, uh, that was quite unfortunate as well at the beginning of the season or before it even started and then ha- happening again. It's it's just, you know, what can you do really with those kind of injuries? Um, yeah, we need to, we need to get them, we need to get them fully fit. And hopefully I think that, I think that, uh, you know, getting it done in Jan isn't, is a good amount of time for them to really work on it as well. I think it's interesting as well that the time that we've we've reached now is we've obviously got we've got Manchester City next who pulled out of a game against Everton um the same day we played Villa because of uh, fears of covid um you know there's been a lot of talk about the season getting suspended again you know indefinitely or whatever um you know from a, from a from a Chelsea perspective I think do you think a break 
say if it takes a month, you know, London is in, in tier four at the moment, they think they talk about tier five. Do you think it is going to benefit Chelsea to have this break? Or do you think it's going to be counterproductive because obviously they won't be allowed at the training ground, they won't be able to train together. Um, but ultimately it gives us more time for players to recover and get fit and get more ready for, you know, training sessions and stuff. How, how, what's your opinion on, on that? Or, you know, how do, how do you feel about that? They need to train together. More than anything, they need to train together. That's what will, you know, build up the chemistry and make them, make it much, much more efficient. And, you know, the, the, the football will flow better as well. We'll have that sexy football that we've been wanting, we've been waiting for for so long, I think. And that's but what do you think we achieve that? You think Sorry? we achieve that because do you do you think we achieve that because of the suspension of football? I think that we need we need to try whether it's whether it's suspended or not. I think that we definitely need more time to train together and practice. And I think if if football, you know, if the matches stops, but we were still able to play together, I think that would be fine because you know they they can practice together, they can they can uh, improve, they can learn about each other as well. I think that you do need matches as well to also test how good you are. But if you're having matches so frequently, it's going to, it's going to, you know, take away the rhythm of, of the, of training. So then there's no, yeah. there's no point of uh, looking to train to build up the chemistry. Yeah. It's counterproductive if you, if you have such frequent matches. Yeah, no, I get that completely. It's going to be interesting to see how, how they um, organize that and, and um, sort of make sure that, um we want to see the season you know finish we don't want to see um an abandonment of a season this early and you know we, we i mean ultimately with the vaccine out and all that kind of stuff there's a lot more hope that you know we can get things like sporting events sorted properly and and we can go forward with it but um yeah it's, it'll be interesting to see how, how that pans out so before yeah. we move on to um talking about potential lampard replacements um i wanted to talk about uh, about players that will be free agents in six months' time. Oh, I, uh, I saw it. from Sky Sports uh, about it, and, and they listed out the different the the play some top players that will be available. They also mentioned Jesse Lingard in that, which I was very confused <laughs> about. Uh, <laughs> Mustafi as well, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean, whatever. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm down for for a Millie Rock cheerleader man. Bring Lingard in, Lingardinho. Uh, no, three three really really stuck out to me um yeah. one was uh one who's like who we've been linked to in the past which is declan rice sorry what am i saying Do declan rice he's i'm talking not, about david Alaba. Free agent get out of here free, free agent in my dreams in my dreams but david yeah, Alaba. Yeah. okay um there was memphis Depay, who i know that you're a big fan of as well big time yeah and uh, third one was uh you know one of those please i i hope it'll happen you know i've been I've been good this. I've been good this this winter. You know, let me have my present, Leon, uh, Lionel Messi. Oof, 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 oof. Yeah, is I mean, it's it's a bit far fetched, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I, I can't see us getting Lingard, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I what mean, do you think about those th three. Three really huge. I forgot the third one. Uh, Messi. Oh, Depay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, obviously, three very good players, three players that are um, definitely not anywhere near the, the end of their careers um, or performing at a very high level. I think with ha with Alaba, it's, it's difficult to see where he kind of fits in 
because I mean he's not a centre back, he's not a left back, and he's not a midfielder, but he can play those three positions really well. Um but I think we have significantly good players. I wouldn't say better players, but I think good players enough to not have to force ourselves to 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 buy Alaba necessarily. I, I don't think putting him on on a high wage, giving giving him a signing bonus. I don't think that makes financial economical sense um, when we have players in those positions. And I think we've shown, like I said, significant signs of improvement in defence and in midfield. Um, so it's not a player that I'm desperate for. If we were to go for him, obviously I would be very happy because he's a quality player. He's a you know proven winner. He he knows how to how to like I said execute um, left back, centre back, and midfield. Um, but ultimately, I think you know I have a lot of trust in in our current players and in our current squad to not um, be that desperate for Alaba. Um, so that's him. What what's your opinion on on Alaba? Uh, I think that we, whilst we do have depth to our squad, I think that, especially for defence, as we move away from our regular Thiago Silva and uh, Zuma, it's it's not as good. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's lacking, I feel. You know, Christensen is... You can't depend on him, for one thing. Uh, Rudiger is, you know, on and off. You, We know how... Uh, how complicated it is with Rudiger because he has such good qualities, but he can also really mess up as well. Mm-hmm. And then you have youngster and Tamori. And is he ready for, you know, playing week in, week out? Hey, free, thing for is Ka- like- free my guy for Kayo, man. The guy's not getting right treatment. I mean, we can talk about I mean, another one, but, you know, he's such yeah. a talented player, honestly. Yeah. So, I mean, Thiago Silva... We have a contract with him right now for this year, and it can be extended to next year, and then that's it. Which we need to do ASAP. So, what happens if Thiago Silva gets injured? And is it's? I mean, if Thiago know, Silva we, gets we... if Thiago Silva gets injured, I'm sorry to say, but I think Declan Rice can come in and and fit in perfectly well, and we have Angola Gante to to play midfield anyway. But what if we need Declan Rice in that position? When Angola Kante is, let's say Kante is not available, then who do we turn to? Um, yeah, it's, it's. I get what you mean, but I think even even for the fullbacks, we have Reese James, Aspie, and Chilwell, and Emerson. Okay, fine, we've got Emerson, but I I think that Alaba would be great to be able to play it to play him, you know, next to Zuma, and if we need him, we can always position him in those other, you know, other. We can fill him in in those other slots if we need him. What you said was very important is if we need him. Now, for a player in his prime at 28, um, Mm -hmm. probably on the other side of his prime now, for us to pay between three and four hundred thousand pounds a week and give him a signing bonus, break our wage structure for a player that, like you said, if we need him, because I think, like you, I mean, you would agree, we have. Maybe not better players, but I think Chilwell has the potential to be as good as Alaba. I think Thiago Silva is showing how quality he is. Quality is Zuma is already showing signs of of you know his his old form, and he's getting so much better. He's just you know every week he just gets better and better. Reese is obviously untouchable. Um, midfield, if we have Declan Rice or we have Angola Kante, Alaba doesn't get into the team. So for that, is it worth spending that much money when we could be putting those funds towards? 
like I said, Declan Rice, or we could get another forward player. You know, like you know, we've lacked a winger when we haven't had uh, Hudson Odoi and Pulisic, who have been injury prone. Um, do we need to put our resources into Alaba at this stage? For me, it does. It just doesn't seem like a logical thing to do when we have, you know, Tony Rudiger, we have Andreas Christensen, Tamori, uh, like you mentioned, uh, Emerson and Aspie. These are all fringe players and, and they fulfill those roles really well. With Alaba, we're paying him a high wage and he expects to start. Now, if he expects to start, who do we drop? We can't. There's no one if, that we can we actually are, drop. Next season, next season, we'll have Thiago Silva for one season remaining. Yeah. After that, we'll have to replace him. Right. So but I, I what think I'm saying... Alaba should be, if, if Alaba were to come, I would start him over Thiago Silva reg- regularly. Yeah. Personally, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't do but that. When the... Okay. Yeah. Per- personally, I, I wouldn't do that. I just don't think Alaba is a specialist centre back. Um, you know, he's he's done well, really well in the Champions League and in the Bundesliga. But I think why why you know fix what's not broken? And Thiago Silva for another year, it just means it gives us enough time to kind of assess the market and see what's really out there in terms of longevity. Now, <clears throat> there's a really good player by the name of uh, Sven Botman who's I think at Lille at the moment, who they replaced uh, Gabriel with, um, the player that Arsenal signed. He's really come on leaps and bounds since he's he's joined. I, I'd advise anyone to go and have a look at them, uh, have a look at him because he's he's really quite something. He's, he's a specimen and he's a fantastic defender as well. Um, and then there's uh, Jules Koundé, who, who plays for Sevilla, who's another set, you know very promising centre-back, French centre-back. So I think there are options out there. Upamecano, obviously, Konate. There's a lot of good centre-backs out there, young ones, that can fulfil first-team role in the future. I just don't see the need for us to overspend and break our wage structure on someone who I feel will not get in the team over Thiago Silva for next season, certainly. And then the season after that, okay, I mean, he'll be 30 by that time, 31 by that time. Is that what we want kind of thing? I, I don't know. I, I just feel we have a better structure in place the way things are right now. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. But yeah, I mean, now, we'll see how it goes. Uh, yeah. But yeah, on and to Memphis, Memphis, yeah. <clears throat> see, look, with Memphis, I think similarly to Alaba, similar age, I think they are both looking for, um, you know, big club move. And I think he would be more useful you know, I mean, he's a player that comes with a lot of experience in, in Premier League and the Dutch League and, and French League now. I, I still believe we need another winger. I think with with how injury-prone Hudson-Odoi and Pulisic are, and also, obviously, Ziyech is struggling a bit, you know, injury-wise. I think Depay is certainly a player that we can bring in that would, I think, be okay being a rotation player, not necessarily a... Um, certain starter I think he has the ability to be a certain starter but I don't think he'll be upset at being dropped once away so I think it it would be a really good signing I really wanted side Ben Rama um this summer but it didn't happen he went to West Ham um I think he would have fulfilled that extra sort of depth that we needed to be filled in um but I think Depay is a better version of Ben Rama like certainly you know goal scoring wise every in every department so I think that would be a very good signing if if we are able to to pull that off and we are interested. Okay. What sort of wages do you think he would be on? Uh, I mean, I can't see it more than, say, 150, 160, depending what he's on at Lyon at the moment. Um, he's only 26, by the way. 
Um, so he's not too. Oh. He's not here as prime yet. So that would be quite good. In right, fact, mate, flipping yeah, now, mate. A bit defensive about Memphis Depay, you know. <laughs> no, I think that I think he's excellent. Um, he's quite creative as well. He's he's yeah. he's good at you know giving key passes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that he'd be quite good. In fact, I I think that he would actually suit Man City quite well, the way that he plays. I mean, uh, speaking dropping, of Man City, yeah, go on. Dropping in deep, I think that he would, and then um, dropping in deep and then putting the ball through to the wingers. I think he'd be perfect for that for the way that they play. Yeah. Um, but that's just uh, yeah, that's just my thoughts. On, on him anyways but yeah I, I think he would also suit us quite well and he would do he'd fill in the, the gaps as you're saying when when we need him mm-hmm. yeah definitely speaking of Manchester City I feel like they're the ones that are going to sort of end up with with the greatest of all time the GOAT Lana Messi um, yeah. he obviously wants to leave Barcelona and I think we have absolutely no chance of getting him so I don't, I th- I don't think we need to speak much about it I think they're going to be a great team with him in the team um mm-hmm. i think they've struggled with aguero's fitness and and Gabriel, um yeah. his form and stuff so i think they've it's pretty much nailed on that they're getting him yeah oh so, yeah that's another one who um who whose contract expires in six months that's aguero i don't see him coming to us but that was another name that i spotted i was really holding out for lingard but you know these guys wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't be too bad either but oh well yeah <laughs> Have to make do with the uh, little old Kai habits. Anyway, so just going back to the, the manager situation now, I just wanted to talk about a bit about potentially when we're not saying that we want him to be sacked. I don't think you and me want that. Um, I think there's he has a bright future ahead. I think he can turn it around. He's got the players to do it. He's got the, the people around to, to be able to do it. But if if it came to it, if we're not achieving results and we're in danger of of slipping out of the top six and not even making Europa League, um, a decision would have to be made. Um, And it would be based on whether Lampard has what it takes to take the club forward. And if he doesn't, obviously, we're going to have to replace him. We're going to have to bring in someone new. Now, a lot of managers have been linked with us. And it's very easy. You can count them on your hand, how many have been linked. I think Massimiliano Allegri, uh, Julian Nagelsmann, and the recently sacked um, Thomas Tuchel, um, who, you know, the German media really pushing that if Lampard were to be sacked, Tuchel would be right in there. Um, he'd be up for the job and, and Roman would be would sign off on it straight away. Now, in your opinion, who do you think and why um, do we go for a manager that you think that doesn't make sense? Who do you think we should go for and why? Keeping in mind the squad that we that we've built so far, and how each manager that you mentioned will utilize this squad to its to its best. Right. So I think that we already have um, a fantastic manager at Chelsea in the name of Keparita Balaga. You and, do this. Uh, you do this joke every time, bruv. And I'm I'm sitting here thinking, oh, he has something really serious to talk about, and then you come up with that. Uh, I don't think it'll ever get old for me. Anyways, uh, no, Thomas Tuchel <laughs> is is definitely one. I think that he's he he'll be amazing at Chelsea if he so were Thomas, to manage. Thomas Tuchel is number one for you. Yeah, definitely. How do you think he'd improve the team? Uh, I think 
I think you just do well. You just do everything better. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty, no, that's pretty fair. Listen, listen, I when it comes to managers, I don't like to say, "Oh, this manager will be better," or "This, you know, this one won't." The fact is, it's it's more of a holistic thing where you know if they have the right, if they have the right, you know, plan, if they gel with the team, if they if everything needs to be right for it to work, it's kind of it's almost like a Goldilocks kind of situation. You need to have multiple things going working in your favor for it to go well so i was, I was trying to see where you were going with that but yeah, most, uh, sorry? i was trying sorry. to see where you were going with that but yeah go on Golden yeah Lux. i think that thomas Pickle, he has the most uh he has the best attributes of a manager from the ones that we've described uh in terms of being suited to chelsea but i don't think that i, I don't think that i can say that you know he'll be the best or uh or that it'll definitely work as such i think Personally, Thomas Tuchel is my number one. And as much as I don't want Lampard to be sacked, if he is, I can't see a better man taking over this squad. And with the exception of Guardiola Guardiola and Klopp, I genuinely don't think there's a better manager in world football that can take an attacking squad, make it his own and get results and win trophies. I really, I truly believe that. And his ability as, as a coach is so up there. His knowledge and his, his ways, his methods. I've, you know, over the years, I've done a lot of deep diving into Tuchel. Um, you know, I have friends that, that have talked about him, you know, that supported Dortmund and, and um, sort of told me about what he's about. But, you know, he's, for me, he's a once in a generation manager sometimes. Um, when I look at the way he sets his teams up, it's so flexible and he's so knowledgeable in terms of what he's able to do within 90 minutes. Um, you know, he, he's constantly innovating. And I think that's, he's very similar to, to Guardiola in that sense. Um, when he was at Dortmund, he used to praise Bayern Munich who were managed by Guardiola at the time. He used to praise them all the time because he, he just felt there was a culture of um, firstly, never giving up um, persistence, but also the yeah. tactical flexibility of educating players about what they're doing on the pitch and how they can change, you know, manipulate the ball, manipulate their bodies to, to you know, sort of take the, take the opposition, opposition one way and then completely switch it over to the other side and, and you know, um, form attacks like that. It's really incredible what he's capable of doing. And I don't think he was given the resources all the time to be able to do that at PSG. Although saying that he won, I think, four trophies and he took them to the Champions League final only to be bettered by, you know, a ridiculous Bayern team. Um, but I just think at this point, I don't think there's a better manager in world football that can take us forward like Thomas Tuchel can. And I'm a big yeah. fan of Julian Nagelsmann, who I'm going to ask you about uh, in a sec as well. But with Nagelsmann as well, you know, he's a, he's a coach that is very young. I think he's 33 or 34 at RB Leipzig and he's as good as he is I feel like there's a bit of developing he has yet to do he has more that he needs yeah. to to work on in his game and I want the finished product Nugglesman I don't want you know the almost finished product because at Chelsea there's no time to 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 learn and and we're seeing that with Lampard as well you know it is a results business especially in the Premier League it's definitely a results business um so I don't think Nagelsmann is for right now, 
in say January, February, whatever, I think maybe in a year or maybe two years um, when he's sort of filled out his role at, at Leipzig and he's ready for the next step. I think Chelsea will be ready for him. But right now, Thomas Tuchel just sounds incredible. Absolutely incredible. If it doesn't work out with Frank, obviously. So what do you think of, of Nagelsmann as, as a coach? How do you, do you, do you think he would be successful right now? How do you, how do you see that going if we were to go with Nagelsmann? Um, very energetic, uh, very youthful and energetic as a manager, as you know, as you've described, and even how that's how RB play as well. Yeah. So, I, I think that we would we may just stumble into the same issues we'd have with Frank Lampard right now if we were to go to uh, Nagelsmann. Well, one thing's for uh, certain with with Nagelsmann is he knows how to get a Werner scoring. He he knows that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Is it as big a risk as I'm mentioning, or I mean, is it even in your in your top three list to, to start with? Um, I don't have a list. I just have one. <laughs> I just have literally. I, it's just Thomas Tuchel. That's the only. If we're not going for Frank Lamp, if we're not keeping staying with Frank Lampard, then we better get a manager that has yeah. the experience, has that you know that that X factor as well. The attacking philosophy and you know the, the pedigree. Exactly. Yeah, you know, something very special about them. Absolutely. You know, I've I've only at Chelsea at Chelsea I've only seen that with, I think Jose Mourinho. You know, you just as bad as it's going, you can win a game regardless because you have mm-hmm. that manager, and it's just somehow they they're able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So okay, um, cool. Let let yeah. go on. Yes, go on. So yeah, I only see I I don't see I don't have a list of managers. I just see one right right now that Fair I think enough. would do well. I mean, we yeah, we, we can absolutely cut it short there because I think we both agree it's, you know, there is no one better suited and no one better placed, in fact, to, to take over than, than Thomas Tuchel. Um, but if mm-hmm. I was to press you for three managers that you think can take over right now and, you know, pull this squad up and start getting results and get them playing good football and utilise our young players successfully, who would those three people be? Um, so Tuchel, number one, as I've yeah. said. Um, hmm. Do you want to take a bit of time with yours? I'll, I'll tell you mine then. No, I think I think that I'll, I'll, I'll say it now. So I think Allegri would be, Allegri. Would be very interesting. Yeah, I think he would be. Uh, I think I'd like to see him if it's not Tuchel, and then okay. it would be um, uh, Nagelsmann. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's fair enough. I'm not a fan of Allegri just because I don't, I just don't like his football. I don't think it's progressive with regards to the squad that we have. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's obviously a winner. He's won trophies. He's been around. So, you know, he, I don't, I, I, I could see him being successful. I just personally, I'm not a big fan of him. Um, yeah. but if I, if I had to give my top three, I'd say Thomas Tuchel is probably outright. Number one, number two would be Ralph Hasenhuttle who's the manager of Southampton, I think are flying. And he's uh, he did a great job at, at Leipzig as well. Um, yeah. And then finally, Julian Nagelsmann, man. He's a, he's a wild card. But I think, you know, these three, all Bundesliga born, uh, sorry, not born, but bred, would be phenomenal, you know, and, and really suit the type of squad that we have um, to manage them and, and to get them playing some great football and get some, some good results. But mm-hmm. barring all of that, we have um, one of the 
you know, best young managers in, in, in world football, I think, at Chelsea. And I hope it works out for him. And, and you know, he, he has a chance to turn it around more than anything. I think if anyone yeah. has that chance, it's a manager that has uh, continued to dominate possession and continue to dominate the chance creation stats. Um, it's a matter of luck. It's a matter of just, you know, hoping that the ball starts going in the net and then suddenly everything turns rosy red again and, and you know, no one's really talking about get him getting sacked again. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Let's hope. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Okay, cool. So I think on that note, we can wrap up. We can uh, hope to, we you know, live to fight another day and hopefully we've got City next. Hopefully that goes through. It's not stopped because of the suspension of games. Um, oh, yeah, they have the um, outbreak, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So that's on Sunday. It's on Sunday, yeah. and then um, yeah, we'll see where to go from there, my guy. Yep. Maybe maybe the next one we'll we'll do a transfer special. Yeah, that'll be that'll be great. I'd love that. All right, fantastic. Yeah. All right. right. Have a good one. I will chat to you in a bit. You too. Thanks a lot. See ya. Thank you.